All right. Happy afternoon, evening, end of the week, whenever the heck you're listening to this from. It is Friday, 29th of October, and it is almost Halloween. I know I don't know how the guys are going to take me seriously. I'm, I'm wearing my Thing 1 and Thing 2 costume. I've got blue hair on, but uh, imagine that for the day. And I want to start us off with something that made my day uh, earlier. So have you guys seen Wolf of Wall Street? Yes. Yeah, so Wolf Great of Wall Street, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's the story of Jordan Belfort, and he was pretty notorious stockbroker back in the 80s, I think is when he operated, 80s or 90s, and he scammed a whole lot of people out of a lot of money. And so back in the day, this doesn't really happen anymore, is they would have these trading desks where people would just sit, and that's what they would do. They would call people and try to sell <laughs> sell them stocks and stuff, and it's kind of scummy and awful and sounds miserable to me so either way i saw a great tweet that came at a good time if you haven't heard yet facebook just changed their they're in the process of changing their name to meta as like metaverse so <laughs> it's great it's from one of my uh cfa uh, like parody accounts basically so you have to picture it with the jordan belfort wolf of wall street voice that leonardo dicaprio does so i read it he's sitting at the desk and he's got the phone he says the name of the company is meta it's a cutting-edge, high-tech, web 3.0 company with no data and consumer exploitation issues whatsoever. Currently trading at a deep discount to fair value. And that, I just, I lost my shit whenever I saw that. I was like, this is great. Because I can just imagine some dude in the 80s trying to sell Facebook as this. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Well, I wanted to know, do you guys remember what the odds were? Because I think, you know, the sports betting places would let you actually bet on what Facebook was going to change their name to. And I don't remember if this was one of the high ones. I forget. I we I think we talked about them briefly, but I, I can't even remember what the uh, the options were. The only one I remember was that it was a thousand to one odds that they changed the name to Zuckers, which would have been great. That's right. Missed That's opportunity. Right. We that up. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Zuckers didn't win out. I think it would have been hilarious. I uh, man, we we discussed before the show if we wanted to dive into the whole Facebook thing, but it has absolutely taken over the internet, and I don't know if we need to touch it yet. I. I think we just let it sit for a little bit. They changed the name to Meta. Mark Zuckerberg's got the vision for the brave new future, and I think that's the only thing you really need to know at this time. It's it's a waste of your time to be going deeper than that. But um, so if you guys are cool with it, let's do the electric planes. All righty. Okay, Matt. I think this is you. All right. So there's this company called Kuberg, and their plan is to make electric battery cells for planes. And they make really fancy, really expensive batteries. And the reason they say these are great for planes is, is because when it's a plane, it's already super expensive. The cost of flying is so much higher. They can afford to put these fancy batteries in there as compared to someone with their daily driver car. But they said, like, it's not going to be something we're going to see on your big Boeing 747 anytime soon. It would require way too much weight to power one of those. Probably anything just from your, like, small Cessna to, like, they said at max, a uh, 100-person plane. Okay, so this is, like, per- these are little personal planes, and so they're, they're basically just using jacked-up versions of, like, the Tesla lithium batteries, right? Essentially, yes. Okay. I, I've wondered this for a while. Is why the heck couldn't we have done that forever ago? It makes perfect sense. You're generating the same amount of power. All you just use is, what, direct it to spin a turbine, right? Yes. Yeah, it makes, per- it makes sense. I guess we're just not getting the efficiency yet, but... I, it would yeah. be wild to see a battery power an enormous jumbo jet. I don't know if I'm taking the over under on five years for that one. I think I'm taking the over. Yeah, I mean, they're just too heavy right now for them to, like they said, it's not even really on the horizon yet for them to power the big jumbo jets because for them to put the batteries up there to power those engines would weigh so much significantly more than the fuel it would take to power those engines Right. that it's just not a feasible option right now. Yeah, when, so that's a benefit for electric cars because they're supposed to be on the ground, and the weight in the bottom of the car holds it down and stops it from flipping. It's a really bad thing if you're in the air. You don't want your weight in the bottom. Right. So, say, so how, much flight time, how much flight time would you get out of a, one of those batteries as well? Because, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it would probably be less than the amount of drive time you get with the Tesla per se. I think you'd have to measure it based on like the amount of work done because don't they measure stuff by like kilowatts used and they have some kind of measuring system that isn't just purely time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that'd be the other question is how far, I mean, you, I'm sure you could fly from like Jacksonville to Atlanta probably like yeah. that'd probably be a good use, but could you go from Jacksonville to Pittsburgh? I don't know. Well, that's a big difference in flight. That's a heck of a lot more fuel. I uh, could, <laughs> couldn't tell you. But I think as the batteries get more efficient, 
Matt's got a point. We're not there yet, but maybe at some point. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, heck, never say never. I mean, I've always, I've always been like, why don't we put solar panels on planes? They're so, they're so much closer to the sun, and they get above the clouds, which cut the clouds cut down pretty much like fifty percent of the energy you would get from a like normal solar panel on a house. Why don't you use that to charge it additionally, or can we just not generate energy from that yet? I never thought about that. I mean, it would make sense. It's just, uh, you're pretty close to the sun. You might, or closer, I guess you're not relatively close, but you're up there. Yeah. There's no clouds obstructing. I mean, you're in direct sunlight. Um, I don't know. It's a question for smarter people than I, I guess. Yeah. Someone find a scientist. Let's get them on the show and figure it out. It's, <laughs> yeah. I would probably love to just know. partially wait because like you can't just like use them as the surface of the plane. You got to put them on top because it still has to be able to protect the inner workings. That's true. But also that like, it, it's like you're up there flying at however many hundreds of miles an hour. Like you got a whole lot of debris and stuff that are hitting it. It, it, they're bound to be damaged so i think that's part of the issue whereas on your house there's not many things that are falling on your roof all too often that's true unless you're in like oklahoma then it's just you know tornadoes every day but no that is a group that is a very good point i'd forgotten about the stuff in the air which is important and you know hopefully a, a duck doesn't get stuck in there or anything like that but the weight's <laughs> another good one because there's nothing you can do about it it's additional weight on top of the like the thing that has already been calculated to be just about perfect you've now added another massive variable onto there and would the energy offset that variable? Probably not. Probably not. Oh. So between that and the Canadian gooses, it's just not going to work. Canadian gooses are majestic. <laughs> That's a letter Kenny reference if anyone gets that. But we, we actually don't like geese. They're invasive species. But all right, either way, we did that one. Uh, let's knock out, in the same vein, the uh, Tesla battery switch. All right, so Tesla is switching to lithium iron phosphate batteries, also known as LFP, because um, basically they can kick them out for a much lower cost. It was somewhere around like half, and they'll only have a slightly decreased range. So if they switch these batteries over, it'll cost like, instead of $130 a battery, it'll cost 80, and um, the range would go from like, 263 miles down to 251 so it's pretty negligible yeah the loss in range that's what i'm sitting here thinking like all right what's the catch there has to be a catch i don't think there really is one i think it's just pushing technology forward necessarily at least as far as i understand well the other thing that's really bothering me and i hate this because i'm looking at it on like a on a sheet it's lithium ion phosphate which is lip and they're calling it LFP, and I get it because F is iron on the periodic table, but that just really bothers me. F is not I. <sighs> <laughs> so if this is a much lower cost, then can we expect the price of a Model 3 to drop significantly? <laughs> you getting excited? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, man, can we get this from 30 grand down to 20 grand? And then we're in my wheelhouse, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, but I that- could probably by the end of 2022 as the cost of this goes down the cost of steel and the other materials is just going up like crazy and the microchips and all that so you know what you're gonna have to get real lucky <laughs> i'm typically a lucky guy my mother always told me i shit gold so <laughs> <laughs> we'll see i've never heard that before that's pretty funny <laughs> if i if i have a tesla at the end of 2022 that means something went extremely right we'll, we'll put it up on the fgf uh, instagram <laughs> show up and that'll be the quote there'll be no caption just a picture of joey's new tesla and says quote i shit gold (laughs) yep and you better believe i'm paying the extra thousand dollars to get a blue one i'm not taking uh you know anything last blue is my favorite color and i'm getting a blue tesla a good taste blue is my favorite color okay all right what's next in this one we're doing we're getting off topic here we got panasonic i think (laughs) to go off this tesla's also partnering with tesla to create smaller battery cells so we're already getting (laughs) things cheaper than what we have but they're making some that also store five times more energy and will be smaller and will predictably be able to increase the range of the tesla models by more than 50 percent i i would have sworn i just heard you say tesla's partnering with tesla uh panasonic sorry (laughs) that's like wait a minute all right there's a joke here i'm waiting for the joke but okay, yeah, increase range by fifty percent. Yeah, that's the big one. The second, the second, the range of an electric vehicle outclasses that of a gas vehicle, all your excuses are gone. Well, that's basically it. I mean, we're pretty close. I mean, if you figure that, like, you got some that are kicking out over three hundred miles. I mean, I mean, to be fair, anything with a V eight is not going to like get twenty there. years old, but yeah. they only have like a three hundred mile range. Yeah. 
No, I get that. And again, pretty much anything with a V8 engine or bigger is definitely not getting up to that. Well, all right. So smaller battery cells, we've had this idea for a while where you basically replace the gas stations with somewhere where you can go. They just pull your cell out, pop a fresh one in and then charge that cell for the next person. Do you think that's possible? I sure hope so. I think we're a long ways off. God, that would be so cool. That would be great for infrastructure. Because, I mean, it, you have to think it'd be like a, I don't know, five, seven-minute procedure. You basically just lift the car up. Some like I think China's doing this. I swear. It's like China careers. Like some place is doing this where they literally, you, you pull up, they lift your car up. Some little dude comes under there, pops the battery out, puts another one in, lowers you down. Good to go. Yeah, I think I sent you that forever ago where it's like it looks almost like a car wash. You roll over it. There's the little... Uh, five minute oil change bay underneath and they basically pop out your battery swap a new one in and you roll out yeah I mean if Jiffy Lubes and places like that all across America did that wouldn't that make this feasible but you know big startup cost for them and a pain to hold the batteries and keep them charged and it's probably just a massive infrastructure cost Ugh. Well, all right we're Jiffy a ways away Lube, Jiffy Lube and those companies are probably gonna have to make that switch eventually whether it's 50 years down the line or 10 years down the line I mean sooner or later I agree. I think about that a lot, about how like the local mechanics should not be doing as well as they are, but they are so flipping busy. Pretty much everyone here down in Florida is just slammed. You have to call two weeks ahead to get an appointment. I said, why the heck is that? I think it's purely just a population thing. But at the same time, that eventually does have to be an industry that changes more towards servicing the computer side, not just the actual mechanical side. Cars are getting less complicated mechanically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think part of the the reason too, and this is just me completely talking out my ass, so don't take any <laughs> stock in it. But you got a bunch of uh, old Gen Zers and young millennials like myself who don't have the money quite yet for an electric vehicle, but really want an electric vehicle, and you don't want to have to spend the money to get a new gas powered vehicle yet. Like I was saying on last episode, like I don't want to spend $20,000 on a Honda Civic when all I need is 10 more grand for a Tesla. So I'm trying to make my 2011 Kia last as long as possible when it's at 210,000 miles. So it it needs a a mechanic every now and then. (laughs) Sure. And it's a good point. You don't want to commit to an older technology that you'll be stuck with for a little while. And then hope, I I don't know. I think cars are going to hold their resale value for pretty much forever at this point. But uh, I get your point. I understand. Yeah, I'm going to drag this thing out as long as I can, get as much work done on it as I need until I have the money to get a Tesla. That's the goal. The beater. Yeah, if you can't find anyone to buy it, I'll fly up there and we can just spend a weekend beating the crap out of it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, we will. When, once I get the Tesla, I will call you up and that we could probably raise some money. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah, we're going to cut the mufflers off, just make it horrible and see if we can beat it till it dies. <laughs> I love it. Put it in the calendar. Pretty tough. And to it's 2022. Gosh, I would love that. All right. I think that wraps up tech. You guys got anything else? Nope. Lovely. Nope. Okay. We're going to move on to traditional investment world. There's a little bit of stuff here. I have a quick opinion I want to you know, lead us off with. So everyone knows that we're going through a labor shortage and that apparently, according to the companies that are out there, they don't have enough workers. We don't have enough truckers. We don't have enough warehouse workers. We don't have enough. I, I don't, we don't have enough anything at this point. So why the heck is every person I talk to say, yeah, I've been hunting for a job for six months and literally no one will hire me. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, too many, too many college degrees out there. Not enough uh, people that want to get down and dirty. That's exactly what I came up with was the only reason that I can logic through is that the jobs that we're trying to fill that we have available are just stuff that nobody really wants to do. And additionally, they probably don't pay very well. The other thing that somebody said on, uh, it was LinkedIn the other day, it was really interesting to me. And they were like, we need to basically have all these, the job hunting sites, like the recruiter programs, have them rewrite their algorithms because the algorithms are programmed to only, they're, they're, they filter through candidates and only pick specific ones. So it cuts out a lot of people that might be great for a job, but they graduated last year and they haven't, they haven't been able to get a year and a half of work experience because the world was shut down for a year, a year and a half. I mean, so Stuff like that. It's, it's like a failure of computers at this point um, that I, it kind of bums me out. But we definitely need to step it up on that end and get people fitted and give people tries. But I think the other part of it comes into it is that like not only is it just that like people have college degrees, is that these companies were requiring these college degrees now for jobs that don't need them. Yeah. And it's also like you said, they're not paying them enough money, but it's also like when our grandparents or parents, when they started their jobs as kids, they walked into this job, might not be paying much, but they intended on staying there pretty much 
however long. Sometimes their whole entire life would work 40 years for a company and would leave and they'd be set off and they'd have a good retirement and a good pension yep. and all these other things. And throughout the whole time they work there, they're taken great care of. And that's something we don't see anymore. You're absolutely they're right. Not, they're not spending as much money on the people when they work there and they're not spending as any money at all once they leave. So people aren't incentivized to go get these jobs as like they were used to. That's true. There's a lot of job hoppers, but I, I'm glad that we've kind of started to negate the stereotype of the job hopper thing because it's not really, I don't think it's a bad thing in any way. You see a lot of people who end up having to try three or four positions before they find somewhere where they are truly the best candidate for it and they're the most efficient. The goal is to have the workforce be as efficient and happy as possible. That's literally the equation for a good and happy society. So I, I'm, I'm ready to be done with the stereotype that if someone, if you know, if a job doesn't work out in six months that and they find something better, that's okay because everyone's going to be hopping around until you find where you fit. But also in today's world, like if you want, like job hopping is essential to create upward movement within companies and yeah. also increase pay. Yeah. You're more likely to switch companies and make more money and move up than you are to stay in your own and do the same. Sure. Especially if you get stuck behind a manager who's kind of just like a lifer. I mean, that happens too. I know a lot of people that work at really big companies get stuck in that too, is that they're kind of just behind the corporate wall and they get fried and, you know, three years go by and nothing's happened. You're like, damn, that's three years of my life. That's a bummer. Yep. The last thing you want to do is waste time. Time's the most valuable resource. And I agree. I don't think job hopping is a bad thing at all. I, that's, I think it's the best way to move up in most cases. I mean, people always say, you know, yeah, you can do great with a company and move up within the company, but it's a lot easier. And, and okay, not easier, but it, it makes a lot more sense sometimes to go from one company to another. And then you see, I don't know, a $10,000 pay increase in the new role, then stay with a company for 10 years and get a 1% pay increase each year. And then you end up, I don't know, making the same amount. It just doesn't add up. The math doesn't add up. Trust me, job hopping is not bad. Sure. I agree with that. And I think the managers and the, you know, the people who own the company should look at it this way is that, oh, well, maybe they weren't the best employee. The best one is out there and they're looking and we can fill it with someone who'll do even better. So that's, mm -hmm. that's my opinion for that. Okay, let's move on down. I got another interesting one. I'll try to keep it light. I, I want to do both sides of this one because my, my knee-jerk reaction was frustrated. And I, I, I sat down, took a look at it, and I was like, all right, there is two sides to this, so we're going to do a little bit of both. The Financial Action Task Force, which, by the way, is like the lamest name for an organization of all time. They're trying to crack down on money laundering, specifically in the DeFi world, which I get it. You know, there's been a lot of bad stuff happening, too, but... Most illicit transactions are done with cash, like a hot majority of them. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's way higher than the crypto world, and they can prove it. So this task force, whatever, I don't, I don't know who commissioned them or anything like that. They're basically trying to bring like the, the traditional finance rules of the SEC into the world of DeFi. And everyone who's on in the crypto world is like, this absolutely defeats the entire purpose of everything. You're, you're just kind of breaking it, and now no one benefits because you didn't get your way. And it's really annoying. You're like, all right, this is not what we want. You're like, we're making good progress. You're slowing us down. But on the other hand, I get it. You're you're trying to go in the right direction, which is to not have our money used for bad transactions. I, I, I get it. And additionally to that, most crypto really isn't actually technically decentralized. It's still run by a central entity that has final say over it. It's just not the federal government at this point. So... I don't know if we're even allowed to truly call it decentralized finance yet. Getting there, it's kind of the point. Uh, so the final point of this, and then I'll shut up for a second, is that the only, the way that they're going to be enforcing this is they're basically going to threaten countries who don't comply with the rules to be on their gray list, which is, I guess, like a less mean way of the blacklist. So basically, if you're on the gray list, it's like, oh, don't do business with them. They, they don't follow the safety guidelines. And... That's it's like the tattletales way out. It's kind of a bummer. I think if they really want to do more, they would step up and actually get some work done. So that's that's me. That's that's my rant. Yeah, I agree. It's like a witch hunt. I mean, if you don't follow their rules, then all of a sudden, you know, you're putting their little red book in and you're out, man. Yep. You're out. Yep. And uh, my thought on the name, because you said it was a, a bad name and I agree. It's, it's almost as bad as Space Force. Um, <laughs> okay. Space Force has grown on me. I got to be honest. It's <laughs> you're still, you're a fan of Space Force now. I, I can't get behind that one yet. 
but this one it's so it's so easy you can just call it fat force fat force. force and they they just set themselves up dang i didn't even think about that yeah financial action task force fat force that's great okay yeah i quick tangent i i hated space force at first i was like this is the stupidest thing ever and then i was like wait a minute I kind of like Space Force. <laughs> it's like, it's just kind of Are we so, the first country with a, with a military branch that has that's in the space? I, there's no I way. So. Ah, there's no way Russia has to beat us there. There's no way. Don't mess with us, man. We got guns in space. <laughs> Another thing. I don't think it works that way. Where's the laser guns? We need laser guns. Sorry, we went way off topic on that one. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, I was just in the interest of time, I was. But oh, that's so funny. Yeah, Fat Force. All right, so that's what they are. Um, all right, so that knocks out traditional finance. We're, we got one thing in real estate. We're gonna do crypto, and we've got plenty of medical stuff, and we're gonna be good to go. So, one thing I have in real estate is an interesting little happening. So you'll probably remember a big old company called Evergrande that was in the news a lot for the past few weeks. They've quieted down a little bit recently. You probably haven't heard because the Facebook nonsense is happening. So basically, the Chinese government came out and said, hey, we're not going to bail you out. They're this massive real estate investment bank over in China. So that wasn't good for them overall. And their debt was such a large part of the Chinese bond market that it essentially led to a, it's, it's led to a near shutdown in their junk bond market. There's almost no way to do it. Like they pretty much crashed the system. So my first thought went to, well, could this happen here? I said, nah, I really don't think it's anything to be worried about. And that's purely because we don't really use debt on the consumer level. No one buys bonds anymore because they don't pay anything. Like you, you buy stock. That's what you do. You buy equity or you buy crypto or you buy real estate. Boom. So I think we're good. I think it's kind of just like another one of those scare headlines. Yeah, more fear porn just to keep you up at night. Uh, I agree. I sure. don't think we'll see that here. But stings for China. <laughs> yeah, I know Matt and I were talking a little bit earlier. It was like, wow, this is good. We finally had a central entity tell a uh, tell a bank that did some really corrupt, stupid things to go pound sand. I'm all for that. I say, you know what? I do not support the Chinese government, but that was a good move. I was say, if there was a government that would do that, it was China. And I think I made a prediction on this like months ago, whenever all this news first came out, and uh, hit it. We I think we hit it right on the head. I think we said, uh, no way in hell China bails them out, and uh, here we are. You were right. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you got a syndicate of billionaires behind you, you might as well just be like, yo, use your own money. Don't use ours. So understood. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Uh, moving on to crypto DeFi world. I think one of you guys has the first one. That would be me. So kind of talking about what you talked about forever ago before I joined the podcast, how Ecuador rolled out. It's uh, I think it used Bitcoin as its national currency. Yeah, they adopted well, it as legal tender. Nigeria is rolling out their central bank digital currency called the e-Naira. Genius. I love it. So how does it work? Didn't really say, but once <laughs> again, we got like a third world country that's rolling out a crypto coin that they plan to use. And a lot of people don't have the phones or the technology to be able to use it. Okay. But I think this is a little bit different because this is something that they actually control with their bank. And... I like this. I like this because this is going to put the power back in the pans of the people. Uh, the big issue with the third world countries nowadays that a lot of people seem to gloss over is that they end up being in debt to a lot of really, a lot of the first world countries because they we come in there, you know, it's like us, China and a few others basically come in there, build bridges, build infrastructure and then hand them the bill and say, yeah, you owe us $20 billion. You can pay it over the next 30 years. You're basically in debt to us forever. And having being able to control your digital currency and but you know obviously they don't control it having your people in control of a digital currency that they can exchange and create their own economy and ecosystem is good it allows them to get on their feet but you're right if no one has an iphone there's nothing to do <laughs> so yeah i did a little bit of i just like did a quick google here just to get some more background on it i mean it looks like it's struggling already fellas i'm not even gonna sugarcoat it right. um it's Africa's first, uh, what does it say? Africa's first digital, uh, Africa's first nation to launch a digital currency. Um, it's on the, and it's an Android wallet. Ooh. Uh, it says it had a rough first week. It was slated to start on October 1st, postpone, postpone, postpone. Um, and then they had, uh, unveiling on the 25th, but only invited three media companies there Ooh. and they were not allowed to ask any questions. Um, and the president said he's expecting it to grow their economy by $29 billion. So, yeah, it sounds like a lot of corruption. 
Yeah, I don't know what's going on in the Nigerian government, but if you get any emails from a Nigerian prince asking for your credit card, do not reply in the next couple months. I remember those. Oh, man. They were so scammy. Ugh, that's funny. Well, that's a bummer. You know, good thought. Maybe poor execution. So hopefully the second round will be better. Second, second country to do something like this because, uh, you know, the first always usually flops. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Okay. We'll move on from that one. That was quick. Matt, you got anything more on it? Nope. Perfect. So going to a successful coin, huh? Yeah, we're going to do a very interesting one. And this is something that I've laughed at in the past that I don't know if I get to laugh at now because of how well it's been doing. So many people, have, you've heard of Dogecoin probably, which is, you know, it was the meme, the meme currency. It was just a digital picture of a coin with a dog's face on it. it super goofy. And, you know, you had a whole bunch of people who didn't know what they were doing, just throwing money into it. And then they'd either make or lose money and someone else would lose. And it, it was cute. It was a cute joke for a couple months. So, you know, just fly up or so. My quick story with Doge is really funny is several summers ago, I can't remember exactly when it was, back when this thing was worth 0.00, I think there was a third zero, uh, then three, two. <laughs> so it was like worth absolutely nothing. I traded it up and down a couple times and made several hundred bucks on it. And I was like, oh, this is cute. This is fun. I'm never going to do this again. Now the thing is worth like 29 cents and that increase <laughs> compiled with the demand <laughs> means that a long-term hold of this done properly could have netted you a pretty hefty profit point being it was a joke and that was everyone was pretty mad they're like okay look the creator came out and said this is a joke it's not real it is what it is and people just like to get hype because they think they're gonna get rich off something that is pretty much impossible to get rich off of so a meme of a meme which is being called the shiba inu coin because the dog on the dogecoin is a shiba inu it's a brand breed of dog they're super goofy i like them a lot point being they officially passed dogecoin as the ninth most traded cryptocurrency i know a lot of people have actually made a decent amount of money off this little thing and the reason it's different this is interesting here the guy came out and said look this wasn't a joke. This is, and I quote, an experiment in spontaneous community building. It's a really fancy, fun word of saying, I'm a genius marketer, and I sold you guys a great product that is better than the old product. So more power to him. Pretty cool. It's crazy. I mean, I'm seeing here right now how much it's surged. And there even, I saw it surged again this week. Um, it's up, what, almost 30% over the past 24 hours. Again, that's already on top of its 60, 60 million percent increase over the past year. Um, but it's saying that it's rising again right now because of a petition going around uh, to get the coin listed on Robinhood. Yep. And the company didn't uh, comment on the petition, but Vlad said, our, our best friend Vlad, everyone knows <laughs> Vladimir, the CEO of Robinhood. We yep. talk about him often and we love him. Evil guy Vlad. Um, we do not love him. But. <laughs> He said that they will carefully evaluate whether they add new coins in a way that's safe for customers and in line with regulatory requirements. We feel very, very good about the coins on our platform at the moment. And for any new coin to be added, we want to feel equally, if not more good. Good grammar. Good yeah. grammar, Vlad. More good. Go, Vlad. This is great. Robinhood's revenues are actually down 65% this quarter because so many fewer people are trading the cryptocurrency on their platform. They had such popularity early on because everyone was like, oh my God, this is one awesome accessible way for us to get out of this new industry. And you know, the crypto world is purely supply and demand. It's just whatever the heck people are willing to pay for this darn thing. There's nothing behind it. So when people aren't trading it, they lose their value and that's what happens. Additionally, you've got these other platforms like Coinbase, Crypto.com, stuff like that. Uh, FTX, I think is another one. And they're gaining popularity quickly and they're arguably better platforms with much larger offerings. So you know, I think Robinhood's going to get their butt kicked here. Yeah, if they if they stand bearish on their position on which coins they offer, then they are going to continue to decrease in popularity. I'd imagine. Yep, but addition, what well, you know, the, well the other the other side of this is when people ask where the heck can I buy this, you tell them things like that, and they're like, oh yeah, I don't want to go anywhere where the SEC isn't involved. And you say, okay, that's fair enough. I totally understand that. So if this does get listed on a platform like Robinhood, you can guarantee that there will be a surge in demand. People are going to be buying it up. So. If you're, uh, you know, if you're a little bullish on that, I would, I would find a way to get a hold of some of this absolute nonsense garbage because you're probably going to be able to sell it to some 16-year-old for quite a bit more than what you paid for it. 
especially with this new generation coming up now would be the time to grab grab a bunch of garbage like this that's a good point i agree all right one more for crypto and then we're going to do five second logistics break and then we're going to do medical wrap it up and be done sound good let's do it awesome pro shares which is a massive company uh i guess they're uh, they're a part of iShares. iShares has a ton of uh etfs funds out there that you can buy they're a really great way to get exposure to the overall market with having without having to make your own individual investment decisions i really like iShares and pro shares they do really well so they made the news pretty recently because they released a quote bitcoin etf and i'm gonna explain to you real quick why the heck that sentence does not make a lick of sense at all it's goofy it's you should just buy the asset if you want to buy the asset buy the darn asset it's goofy because one an etf is supposed to be a basket full of hundreds if not thousands of different offerings to diversify across a, a group of stuff that you want to buy if you make an etf based on a single asset that does not make any sense it's stupid and additionally asset is purely based on supply and demand if you want to take advantage of rises in demand for the thing by buying the etf you're not contributing to that like you you're not a piece of that pie so <laughs> how can you say you're bullish on the demand for this asset if you don't even own the asset that is purely based on demand it, it's so backwards I'm, con I'm confused i'm genuinely confused yeah, I agree. Because the whole point of an ETF, like you said, you you want to mitigate risk. Yeah. So yep. if you're buying a Bitcoin ETF, you're not mitigating any risk. You're all in on Bitcoin. So Makes no sense. Maybe I've read it wrong and maybe it does focus on everything. All I could think of was like, we need like a crypto ETF, like one that targets maybe 50 to 100 different offerings off of this new industry. That makes sense because if you're bullish on the industry overall, which I think a lot of people are, you don't have to take the giant leap of faith and pick four crazy random ones hoping some dude in South Korea is not going to just take your money and run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, a crypto ETF would make sense. Like you said, that'd be pretty nice. You get a little Bitcoin, Ethereum um i don't know give me a little shiba inu a little bit of uh doge if you if you will right but the way yeah. to kind of play this industry is you basically pick 10 and if one of those 10 happens to be a winner you've made all your money back tenfold so you're good to go that's i think the way to play the industry yeah i agree just the only question is how do you pick the 10 right and there's obviously different metrics and people have opinions i don't so i'm not going to make one but all right, Matt, do you have anything for that? Otherwise, we're going to take our two-second break and then hop back in. I was just curious. Can anybody make, like, an NFT-like ETF? Like, I know it's traded under, like, Ethereum, and that's how they're exchanged, but could you make one and, like, because there's, like, different companies that kick them out and all, and you could have, like, a conglomeration. Like, okay, you've got a little bit of Board Ape Yacht Club stock type thing and a little bit of a different one, and, like, as up-and-comers rise or as the big ones like four day stay the same, like you could make money, but I'm not sure exactly how it would work. I'm not big in this type of thing. Why wouldn't you just buy Ethereum? All those things are purchased with Ethereum. Okay, well, I guess you could <laughs> just do that. Like I said, I don't understand it. If you, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you could, because those aren't assets that trade. I guess you could you could make, a, make something that tracks what they get sold for. I don't really know, because you don't have any ownership, so you're not participating in the auction and you're not making any of the profits. I think if you want to do that, just flat out buy Ethereum because that's what everyone uses to buy it. And so if more people are using it, price goes up. Could the companies not, I mean, theoretically, could you make like a Board 8 Yacht Club coin in place of a company that is traded in the DeFi world? Like, because there's, there's companies or people that are obviously trading these things and that's what they're traded for, which essentially makes them a pseudo company. Right. Like, could you not make an ETF that... Mark, uh, that goes for all these pseudo companies in a way. I don't know. It's beyond me. They're not publicly traded companies. That's the issue. So it's going to be really hard to track their value. Okay, fair enough. Well, yeah. A little more on that, I would think, is that uh, this is interesting. So Sotheby's, which is like the largest auction house on the planet for art and stuff like that, they actually did sell an NFT. And I think it was a Board Ape Yacht Club NFT. Must have been yesterday, two days ago. It was during this week. And it was many, many millions of dollars. I think it was in the hundreds of millions. I don't have it pulled up right now. But the fact that these things have gone to actual auction houses, it's just nuts. It's crazy. 
that's a whole lot of money for a JPEG and some code, man. Right. And because someone who or some group of people got together and said, I think if we buy this, we can resell it for more than that. But you've already gotten it for over a hundred million dollars. Like where the when, when does the money stop? When does the music stop? Who's got the bag? I don't know. It's crazy. We're in the rising curve of it right now. And I think there's plenty of money to be made right now. But I think we're going to hit a precipice here sometime soon and then all of a sudden money is going to be hemorrhaging everywhere i tend to agree with you but why i'm not worried is because i think the people who are going to lose money aren't the ones that really matter that much i think it's going to be a lot of people who've been you know trading with just within their groups and they're spending all the money that is why we have all these shortages but i think if they lose that money it's not a big deal so i'm not worried about it yeah and i think the biggest losers will all be the same people that were the biggest winners on the way up. So it's going to balance out overall. Agreed. Which is great reason to not be worried. Okay. Quick break. Yes, sir. Cool. Yeah. See you in two seconds. Back like we never left. Fantastic. Okay. So to lead us off in medical, I'm actually going to contribute something for once, which is unusual. I know. Uh, Mark, it's only because it's cubes. I love the cubes. Mark Cuban <laughs> officially put his hat in the ring for the pharmaceutical world. Uh, I, un- uncharacteristically, he's calling it something kind of stupid. So he's calling his company the Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drug Company PBC. Wow, that's a terrible name. But I am not going to be someone who criticizes the cubes because he has made a heck of a lot more money and a whole lot of better business ventures than I have. So the only real uh, scenario here is that he's basically looking to make the pharmaceutical industry a little more standardized as they're going to be charging a standard markup on all their drugs fifteen at a 15% profit as opposed to it being variable and you know all over the place. I'm sure everyone knows our, we have an insulin issue. We have a massive, massive problem where the price of insulin is just insane. And you know people, people need this life-saving drug to fix themselves and be okay. So why the heck have we not solved this problem? And Matt, I know you have the answer to that, so we'll do that in a minute. But either way, I like when we cut the middleman out. I'm all for it. All right. So, yeah, this is amazing on so many different fronts and even if he just kicks out generic drugs and not like his own formulations of things it's fantastic because like you said insulin is a major issue it's selling at three hundred dollars a vial and it costs three dollars to make oh my god (laughs) holy cow that's unbelievable yeah he's got he's doing direct contracts basically with the uh the groups that make these drugs so i mean if you get the rights to distribute that kind of thing and you're going directly there and you don't have to go through insurance companies or like physical pharmacies, that's great. I'm all for it. Yeah. And if it only costs $3 to make, and he's only looking to get a 15% markup, then all of a sudden the price of insulin drops from $300 to $3 and 45 cents. Yeah. Literally. How awesome would that be? That would be incredible. It would change so there many lives. Go. Yeah. Good old Pittsburgh boy there for you. Changing the world. Yeah. I gotta love the cubes. All right, that, that's. I didn't want to go too deep because I don't have all the details, and I know they're still working on the partnership, but he did put it out earlier this week, and I wanted to touch it. So we can move on. Matt, you got a bunch of good medical stuff, and then we're going to be set. All right, so Facebook, as part of their big conference yesterday, they're yeah. hiring a bunch of health tech personnel for future health and wellness products. And I assume this means that they're going to hire people to kick out their own smart tech wearables, like your smartwatch or whatever that's going to monitor your body in different ways. Makes sense. I've never owned an Apple Watch, have you? No. I've kind of always I have one, one, but I just don't use it. Really? Huh. I know yeah. that their analytics is pretty intense and they go like all out and they do collect all that data on you, so you know, be wary of that. <laughs> so I know it's pretty cool because one of the guys they hired for Facebook was the same guy that kicked out a study that said that the Apple Watch was actually effective at detecting when your heart has certain arrhythmias. Mm-hmm. So we've got the same people that are saying the previous tech works, maybe, okay, what are we going to go forward with in the future? How does it do that? Does it just like monitor your heart rate? I'm not exactly sure because when you normally do an EKG, which detects your heart rhythm, you have electrodes all over your chest and that determines it. But having this one thing on your wrist, I'm not really sure. I assume it might do some sort of pulse wave. And like, if you're getting a varied pulse, it can detect it that way. But I have no clue. It's pretty cool. Med tech stuff is always really interesting. And, you know, the fact that we're basically incorporating it to something that you can use every day, like a phone. I love the idea of having your phone on your wrist and just being done. Like you don't have to reach in your pocket or do anything. So, you know, if it's also a medical benefit, that's great. Yeah, that's the huge thing that we're pushing forward with in the medical field is also being able to like as we go into the telehealth world where you can see your doctor 
online over the phone is being able to do all the tests a doctor would at home. You have this technology built into your phone or your watch. You don't got to go in to get your blood pressure done and your heart rate, all the general vitals that you take. You can get those done at home and you'll also have a record over them over a period that you can show your doctors. So like, okay, when my, I go work out, my heart does this weird thing. He can just go in and look at your watch data and be like, Oh, your heart is doing this weird thing. You need to go to a cardiologist or just tell you that it's something normal, depending on what it is. So doctors should be getting paid less per hour if we go that route, right? Uh, <laughs> As a don't tell me doctor. that. I've gone through four years of undergraduate. I'm going to do four years of graduate school plus residency. Don't tell me that. I would hold your hand and cry with you if you get out and your industry is irrelevant. But you know what the thing is? <laughs> you do pretty well in business, so. I wouldn't be too worried. That's why I'm going into emergency medicine. Emergencies will never be gone and fixed by a watch. That's true. Yeah, no, gunshot wounds are not fixed by that kind of thing. <laughs> Definitely not. So, kicking off this, China is testing out wearable Doppler ultrasound systems. Ooh. So, basically what Doppler ultrasound does is it sends pulse waves through and it kind of gets an image, in this case, of your blood vessels and how blood is flowing through. The reason this is great is because if you got someone who's like a diabetic and could have clots or blockages in their feet in particularly, which can cause gangrene and a few other issues, it can detect that when it occurs. Or if someone who just had surgery, you can put one of these on and detect if it sends a clot to the brain, which could cause a stroke. So you're getting very early detection of these uh, like strokes or clots or whatever, lack of blood flow, just by wearing one of these things. Well, I kind of feel like an idiot. I thought a Doppler was what told you what the weather was going to be like this day. Well, think of it the same way. The Doppler, it spins around in a circle in a wave, and it kind of catches it every few seconds in the area. It's kind of right? like sonar then, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like sonar where, you know, it, it shoots the sound waves out and measures how long it takes to bounce back. Yes, same thing with ultrasound. It sends ultrasonic waves in, and they bounce back, and they can use this to measure blood flow, like if it's uh, coming or going in that area and how fast or if it's stopped. So they can use this to kind of measure, okay, your foot's not getting blood flow anymore. You need to get to your doctor. They can fix it if you're a diabetic because that's one of their issues. They get lack of blood flow, leads to ulcers uh, and other like foot injuries. That's pretty neat. So I'm sorry, I think I missed this. Did we develop that and China's testing it out themselves, or did they develop it and we're testing it out here? Uh, China is doing it there. Okay. Did they build it or we build it? Just curious. They built it. Oh, okay. So they're doing their things. That, this is Doppler US is, systems. Oh, so ultrasound. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So that was purely just me being an idiot and not reading and paying attention. Sorry. Yeah, it's all good. So like, but yeah, it's just interesting because now like they're just taking some, we've had Doppler ultrasound for a while. It's typically only used in hospitals, but again, having wearable technology that you can have in someone that has these conditions or is at high risk for them is super helpful. And it's something that's roughly simple that they could attach onto someone. I love it. Fantastic. I also didn't know until a few weeks ago that ultrasounds are not just used for looking at babies. (laughs) Yeah. They're used for a whole lot of things when we don't want to necessarily take an X-ray where we put radiation in the body or the person isn't fit to go into uh, MRI or CT machine. Yeah. Someone got a great laugh at me whenever I verbally discovered that. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm sure I'm sure it the medical happens. world. Yep, it happens. All right. Well, that's super cool. I love it. All right. So up next is the FDA and the NIH, which is the National Institute for Health, are partnering to kind of speed up gene therapy development. Uh, they're going to together put up $76 million in a public-private partnership over five years. Basically, they're trying to find therapies where they can go in and either turn on or turn off a gene very rare diseases that cause them so if they can just go in and say okay this gene's causing the problem turn it off and the person is way better Jeez, that's pretty that's pretty intense and in-depth and so like what I'm, I'm i'm trying to think of something i could think of give me an example like how would we what would that fix um i mean just pretty much every single disease that you have has some sort of gene that's related to it i mean right now the stuff i'm learning about is uh chronic myeloproliferative disorders so like basically you get uh too many blood cells that are being kicked out of your bone marrow causes fibrosis and then the marrow breaks down and you're not getting enough blood cells. Yeah. Well, it's caused typically by one gene. It's called JAK2, which causes other genes to activate along the way and causes it to speed up and go. Well, if they can go in, down-regulate this gene or turn it off, then you're not getting that ramp up, 
which doesn't cause the bone marrow to get fibrotic and doesn't cause you to become like anemic. So aren't genes like really, 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 really small? Like how do you, how do you turn one off? Do you shock it? So the way they do this and it's all brand new and you might've heard of it is the CRISPR technique, which is C-R-I-S-P-R, which basically uses little bacteria and uh, phages and that type of thing that infects the cell, inserts their DNA with something that can turn it off is my understanding. It's still way above my head. Uh, it's more of a PhD thing. They understand the mechanics of how medicine works. We just do the practice of it. Cool. Be much cooler if they use tiny robots though. It would be much cooler, but I think we're far way off from the nanobots that we see in James Bond and that type thing. Hey, those are good movies though. They make for good storytelling. I agree. But the other thing is for scale, the $76 million is only going to cover four to six clinical trials. Yikes. Oh man. Where are they getting that money? <laughs> I can't and imagine. So that could be anywhere from like 20 million per trial at the, on the high end. If it's only like four trials. Holy cow. Is this, you said it's a public private partnership, but at the same time, I'm trying to think of like, I understand where the public money comes from. That's our tax dollars, but the private one, how are you going to go there and convince an investor and be like, yeah, we need, say 35 million bucks uh, out of your pocket and uh, this might work. It might not. Uh, we're only going to get to do this five times. Yeah. I mean, it, that's all it takes though. If you get one of those five that becomes the boom for a rare genetic disease, then you're the only one on the market curing it. I mean, these are things that don't have any cure. You're basically just treating the symptoms. If one of these does work, you're that overnight billionaire now. And well, I, yeah, I thought real estate was risky. Holy cow. That's risky. Cause if it doesn't pay off at all, that's a lot of money down the drain. Yeah, it's all either uh, boom or no boom. Shoot, super risk. All right, let's move on. We're uh, we're lacking on time. <laughs> okay, speaking of boom, Boston is booming, and Love. specifically in biotech, and it's pissing off all the neighbors. <laughs> so there are tons of biotech companies that are moving into Boston for some reason, and all the people there are not happy about it. So are the, is it because they're getting students from, I know the schools up there are really good. Like, Could that be a reason? I'm not entirely sure. Didn't really go into it, but it's becoming the next biotech haven. It's like the Silicon Valley of biotech. It's kind of cool. I mean, you've got MIT, University of Massachusetts, all that type of thing right there. Yeah. That's my what I'm territory thinking. is Boston and my job, and I work with probably 80% biotech companies. Wow. I'm always working with um, dry ice, cold packs, gel packs. And it's all going overseas to different countries. And that's probably most of the conversations I have on a daily basis. It's crazy. Jeez. I mean, what we have down here in Florida, I know Tampa's kind of known as like the technology city and Orlando is like the business city and Miami's ugh, Miami. But that'd be interesting. No, I would have never thought of Boston. Has that been just happening this year? Uh, it, I don't, I don't, it might be booming this year. Matt might know more than me, but I know uh, the team I'm on now uh, my manager has serviced the Boston area for 30 years, and he said within the past, I don't know, five to ten, like he's had a good chunk of biotech companies. He's pretty knowledgeable of biotech. I mean, all I could think of is they're going to have one Northeast winter and be like, no, we don't want to be here. Employees are gone. <laughs> but if they can work remote, they're good. Yeah, there's a lot of tiny ones, too, out there. You'd be surprised. There's one that's a, a thorn in my side, and hopefully they never hear this, but it's... <laughs> You know, it, it's ridiculous because something gets held up in customs and then you got to replenish the dry ice or the protein samples go bad. And it's just, uh, it's my nightmare. It's a hard life you got going on there. Oh, it's going to get harder. <laughs> you and your you and your future Tesla Model 3. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all worth it if I can get a Model 3. I love it. All right, Matt. Keep on rolling. All right. So I heard possibly kind of relating <laughs> to the gene tom uh, topic earlier, the dumbest comment I've ever seen on a med like science uh, news article. It said, I'm so a researcher excited. came out and said that nearly every gene is linked to cancer. And I went as a science person. Yeah, duh. It makes sense. But so I'll explain this for everyone else. Genes are one of two things. They're a no-go gene or they're a go gene. They turn things on or they turn things off. So if you take the go gene and you mutate it so it's always on go, you get cancer. Right. If you take the no-go gene that's supposed to turn things off and you mutate it so that the gene doesn't work and things stay on, again, you get cancer. 
So it's not that hard of a concept if you break it down. And I don't know why this was such big news because it makes sense. It's super simple. I don't know, man. I think this guy might be onto something here. But it's just dumb because it's like, okay, we have genes for everything. And it's kind of like a fear-mongering thing of any gene you have can turn into cancer. Like, Oh, they just said yeah, it to make news. The chance of it happening is so low. Do we ever see these ever things cause cancer? Probably not. There, we know which ones majorly cause cancer. We're learning more every day which ones do. I'm glad it's that, just dumb. Yeah, I'm glad that the stupid headlines bleed over into your world too because all of both of our worlds are just infected with them everywhere. That's yeah, funny. I mean, even medicine gets very dumb ever so often. Yeah, that'll happen. Your next one I have, I'm going to slightly hijack from you because I think it's, I saw it too. It's really interesting. Is the cigarette sales rose for the first time in two decades. I, I'm going to let you do your thing. I definitely have my comments on this though. So I think this is a pandemic blip. Right. Yeah, me too. What they said in there too is that it was something totally related to the pandemic and the stress and people having a little extra liquid cash flow since they're not commuting to work and all that type of thing. And that's why it occurred. But I don't think it's a good um, metric for maybe, like I said, cigarette sales rose, which, okay, that's really odd, but it was like a very small percent, like 0.4. Yeah, it's just because they've been decreasing for so long. But Yeah, I mean, while we're switching away, we've got so many different other options for what people can do, which are fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can go on the patch. There's pills, lozenges, e-cigarettes. Uh, there's, uh, nicotine replacement stuff. There's even different, uh, pills that you can take that just inhibit the pathway or whatever. I got to spend so many different things to do instead. Yep. I agree with that. I got to spend zone. I think people are now realizing how unbelievably addictive and horrible vapes are that they're like, Oh, well it wasn't that bad when I was smoking cigarettes. Cause I could just kind of put it down. So I think that's why they're switching. Maybe that's kind of where I have is at too, just because I'm, I mean, maybe not along the same vein, but maybe people are starting to realize, you know, vaping isn't necessarily as healthy of, of an alternative as we always thought it was. My argument has always been, maybe it is a little bit more healthy, but you do it five times more and you get physically angry when you can't have it. That's bad. Yep. Addiction is bad, man. Yep, and I mean it's just as expensive to pay for that stuff. I mean, Shoot, if you're going through one a week, yeah, you, yeah. If you've been on a college campus in the past, I oh, I don't know, say six years, and you walk into someone's room and you see they, I don't know how it is down in Florida, but up here sometimes like you're walking into a kid's room who has who has one of those jewels, and they'll just have a wall. Like you know, sometimes kids make beer walls and they'll they'll cut out their beer thing and tape it to the wall. Well, I've seen kids with jewel walls, no jewel pod, like the packs of the, that the jewel pods come in, just taped to their wall. And it's funny. Anytime I see one, I sit there and I count it and then I multiply by 20 and I say to them, you know, that's $5,000 on your wall right there. <laughs> <laughs> their reaction every time they like think about it, they look at the wall and I'm like, yeah, dude, you have $5,000 in cardboard on your wall. Yeah, but you weren't thinking about it at the time. You were just, uh, yeah. <laughs> funny thing is Philip Morris or Altry, I guess, who owns Philip Morris, they they all make the same thing. It's the same product coming from the different. It's same company. So I mean, it's all going to the same place. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. It was very interesting. All right, Matt, you got any more on that one? Nope, that's all it for me, man. All right, Joey, lead us off with a quote, and we're gonna have an awesome weekend. Yeah, good one to go along with uh, us discussing stupid headlines and fear. Um, the quote is: "Thinking is difficult. That is why most people choose to judge." <laughs> I like that. Thinking is difficult. Thinking is very difficult. Okay. I think it wraps us up. Everyone else good? Yep, I'm good. Love it. All right. Have a wonderful weekend. We're going to see you per usual on now Wednesday morning again. All right. Catch you later.